from the EPR Creation Studio. This is the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. We're doing a little uh, review of the Louisville game, talking through some of the takeaways that came through the second and third looks at it and film session and all the rest, and uh, doing our amendments to the Hot Takes episode. And uh, by and large, this won't have to be very long because for the most part, the I think my impressions on that episode were reinforced. My immediate impressions on the game were more or less reinforced by what the second and third watch showed. There are a few places that I want to clean up uh, some stuff, but by and large, you know, this was a, a very encouraging win. And if anything, I think it was more encouraging on the second or third watch than the than the first time through, in particular because of how close Florida State came to letting that game get away from them. But then as you take a step back and as you actually look play-by-play through the game, they did a lot a lot right in that game, and there's a lot of improvement that has, uh, has taken place over the past couple weeks that bodes well for the remainder of the season in a number of ways. Now, obviously, the losses of... Jaden Lars Woodby uh, and Josh Kando still are pretty strong problems. They're things that, you know, it's not that that's not encouraging. That's not going to be helpful. Kando, of course, hurt against Virginia. Uh, Lars Woodby officially declared out with what uh, Willie Taggart referred to as a lower body injury, you think? Um, and, you know, that's going to that's going to really hurt. Most likely, Amari Gaynor is going to take more of that role for the remainder of the year, and they're going to have to find some ways to, at times, you, know, you might have Hamza Nasiruddin step down there as a in, a, in more of a nickel-type look, uh, put another another safety on the, on the field. There are going to be some ways that they'll try to compensate for that, but, but Lars Woodby is a unique player on this team that they really don't have another guy to, t- to fill his role. And it's, it's really unfortunate uh, that, that he's out for the year. But beyond that, like I said, a lot of good things in this, in this game. Before I go any further, I do want to thank my first sponsor, and that is EPR Creations. They do the best work when it comes to website development for small businesses, online strategy planning, search engine optimization, all of that stuff. I'm in the process of finishing up, uh, having them actually finish up a uh, a site for the petition that I'm putting together, the Show the Safeties petition. That should be launched by the end of the week. Uh, really pleased with the uh, sneak peeks I've gotten from them, and I've got to do a little bit of work on my end in terms of video stuff to uh, to finalize that before we're ready to launch it. But it should be there by the end of the week so that this week's games, we can go ahead and start start that movement. But EPR Creations is the best in the business. I went through I went through that that whole process with them, uh, knowing that I would get the best possible result uh, for the best price. And uh, just let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered Podcast, and they'll give you uh, a a little discount and make sure that you're extra uh, taken extra good care of. All right, um, a few other things. So we're going to start on the defensive side. Uh, the first thing is second watch. I'm telling you. Marvin Wilson is playing himself into a top five pick right now. I mean, he he has just been relentless from game one through now and really has, has been dominant. 
and he's getting he 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 was even more dominant in this one than he has been previously and i think he's just getting healthier and healthier and what's remarkable to me is you'll see him on play 58 play 60 of his night and he's still going as hard as he was in play one, that guy doesn't take plays off. And that's really rare for a defensive tackle. And I got asked actually on Twitter, I had, I had someone ask me if, if I had to make a choice between Dexter Lawrence and, and Marvin Wilson, which one would I take? And freshman Dexter Lawrence versus freshman Marvin Wilson. I'm taking Dexter Lawrence junior Marvin Wilson versus junior Dexter Lawrence. I'm taking Marvin Wilson. He has really made himself that much better. And, is I mean he did some things in this game. There's one one push pull move in particular where he just ripped through an offensive lineman. It was just one of those like wow that is a powerful man, and that is that is just he gives them such a dynamic player when he's on the field. And now that they're starting to fit those gaps better, now that they're starting to understand the defense a little better, that that's starting to really come through. He's able to make that much bigger of an impact. And along with him, this was the best game that Corey Durden has played. Uh, I'd been critical of Durden a little bit earlier in the season. Uh, I felt like he'd been inconsistent, had had played hot and cold. He'd done well getting some pressures and flashing at times. But then, unlike Wilson, he was a guy that was taking some plays off. And in this game, I thought he did a much better job of keeping that energy up and and running, running hot the whole way. And if they can get that out of those two guys all year for the remainder of the year, this defense is is going to be that much better because those guys got blocked a little bit. Marvin Wilson less so in 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 the Boise game, but other than Wilson, I mean, they, Boise was able to block the front, uh, and you combine that with some poor fits from the second level, and they were able to run the football. Uh, you can really see that they're they're getting they're starting to understand what's going on a little better up front, and they're starting to just play and let it loose, and that's making a difference. And I did talk to someone from within the program who, who, who did say that they felt like the last three weeks there's been tremendous improvement in practice and just overall in terms of defensive understanding. And, and this person basically said, look, you got to understand, this is the third defensive system they've been in in the last three years. And they just basically installed this full system right before the fall. And yeah, they had made some adjustments and had had started doing some odd front stuff in the spring, but the full whole scale change in terms of terminology and all that stuff, that happened right before the fall. And so you had a bunch of guys, you had not only players, but coaches that were not as comfortable, that didn't really have a full grasp or a full comfort level with the defense up until the last couple of weeks. And now it's starting to really take shape and they're starting to figure out you start to see things as they're happening or before they're happening. Whereas before you're kind of, you're, you're having to worry about your assignment and you're trying to think through, well, if he does this, then I do that instead of reacting because you've seen it before. And they're really starting to to turn the corner there or so at least I was told. And I think you can start to see that in the last couple, couple games against Virginia and Louisville in particular, looking at their better play against the run. And that's really where this all that, that's what it, that's what the, the success the rest of the year really hinges on, because if they're able to stop the run as a defense, that defense is a very different beast because then they can start getting teams off schedule and then you can start to take advantage of some of the personnel you've got in the secondary and what they were able to do. You look at success rate, 
Louisville success rate in the first quarter was 25%. That's not real good. Now, the one concerning thing is that Louisville's success rate in the third quarter was 78%. Well, that's, that's not getting it done defensively. So there was a lapse there as Louisville kind of came out and found a few things and was able to move it. But then the thing that was encouraging is they were able to shut that back down and get that back down to 42% in the fourth quarter and, t- and get a takeaway in, in a key scenario with, uh, with actually, I think there was a little bit of a bust on the coverage on the other side, but, uh, but the safety there, Fagan, being in the right spot and not blowing the chance when he had a chance to make a play. Uh, and, and I thought this was a game where more guys on that defensive side were able to make a play when they were when they were presented with that opportunity. And again, when you're playing a little bit more comfortably and you're playing fast, then that that uh, that gets you there. That gets you there a lot uh, a lot better. Now, the biggest thing that as I went back and watched that I was encouraged by is how aggressively they played in the secondary. They were much more aggressive. They were. Uh, they were dictating rather than reacting as a secondary group. And that's really what this group needs to do. They need to force teams to throw the football down the field to try to force teams to beat them over the top. And yeah, they got beat once, but I'm willing to take that. Like I said, on the, on the, on the post game hot takes, that's one you, you, if you give one of those up a game, that's okay. As long as you're not giving up, you know, 15 completions under 15 yards that are just drive extenders. You'll take that one big one. Now, you don't want four or five big ones, but you'll you'll deal with that one big one. Now, let's go ahead and flip to the offensive side before we do that. Let's go ahead and talk about the kind of offense that you want to have in your garage. If you want the best garage in your neighborhood, if you live in South Florida, you need garage makeovers. They're the top-rated garage, garage remodeling company in South Florida, according to both Home Advisor and Angie's List. If you want your garage to be the envy of your neighbors, they're the ones to call. Give Nathan a call. Information in the show notes. Let him know you heard about him from the Unconquered Podcast. All right. Offensive side. Going back through, once again, I, I think Blackman played a better game than he's gotten credit for in this game. Uh, yeah, in, in terms of the raw numbers and in terms of overall yards per drive and all that, Hornybrook had a better game and looked more comfortable overall. But Blackman also had a couple drops on him that on balls that he fit that were really good throws that could have changed that just a little bit. And I, I think that needs to be taken into account. And I thought he played well. And if he's healthy... He's still, he's still, I mean, that's the leader. That's your captain. You still, he's still the starter. I think what Hornybrook has done is he's earned time. He's earned the, the, the right to come in and at least get a series here and there when Blackman is fully healthy. Now that said, I don't think Blackman's healthy right now. I don't really expect him to play against NC state. And if I'm thinking about this from the perspective of Florida state, if I don't play Blackman, so he's got an MCL sprain from from uh, from what you know the reports have been. If he's got an MCL sprain and you know he's day to day, if you don't play him against NC State, then he gets the bye week and he gets Clemson week, and maybe you don't play him against Clemson, and then you get him fully healthy the week after that. He could take three weeks off 
and be fully healthy and ready to go and rejuvenated the game following. Really depends on how you want to handle that. But do you really want him playing against Clemson? If that's, if that's going to be your starter the rest of the year? Maybe not. So, you know, we'll see. But I, I think it would make sense for him potentially to sit out against NC State, depending again on the severity of the injury, to sit out against NC State and then to take the bye week and the Clemson game and really be healthy after that. Now, obviously, Hornybrook could go out there and Wally pip him. Although, again, I use the uh, I use that advisedly because actually the legend about how that worked with Wally Pip isn't exactly accurate, but you all know what I mean. He could go out there and, and just play lights out and, you know, you go out there and you dominate NC state and pull an upset against Clemson. And maybe, you know, maybe you've taken that job fully. Uh, but again, the likelihood of that happening, especially the latter is, is not very high. Uh, but overall at this point, it appears that Florida state has two competent quarterbacks and that's, uh, that, that's, that's better than, than recent years. Uh, neither one is really complete, and I thought there were some places where Hornybrook showed some limitations, and the more film teams get on him in Florida State's offense, the more that manifests, because they'll start to try to take away the things that he's comfortable with. Uh, but in the, at this point, again, you've got two guys that bring different skill sets to the table, and maybe it's worth playing a little bit of both of them. Uh, even if, again, like I said, I, I expect Blackman to be the starter going down the stretch, and and uh, the, the the folks on the inside are are pretty adamant that 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 team needs him to be healthy if they're gonna if they're gonna achieve any of their goals moving forward. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's something that um, we shouldn't take for granted. Uh, those if, if the people on the inside are really really that adamant that that he needs to be there, then that that tells you something in terms of what they what they know having seen these guys every day. All right, uh, another piece offensively. The the concerning thing for me is when you look at Cam Akers' yards per carry over the course of the season, he averaged about seven yards per carry in game one, and he's decreased a little bit each game so far. Louisville didn't have a great defense. They're running, what's interesting is they are running basically the same 3-3 stack defense that, that, North, that uh, North Carolina State's going to bring into Tallahassee this next week, but they, they don't have a great defense. And I'm looking at Akers numbers here in this game and 3.86 yards per carry, uh, only 2.36 line yards per carry and a success rate of 38%. That's not good enough for Florida state to really have a consistent run game down the line. Uh, I did think that the offensive line had moments in this game where they looked actually really good. And then there were moments where they didn't look so good at all. Uh, but overall I thought I, I, you know, the concern is with black or with acres getting 29 carries in this game, getting nearly 30 carries a game this year, it's fourth in the nation in care in, uh, in, in rushes that, he's going to wear down. And I think you can see that a little bit with his yards per carry decreasing each week. And, uh, and that's something that, you know, I think you want to keep an eye on, on whether, whether you want to make sure what you're, what you're looking at in terms of his, uh, his usage rate, you want to be, be careful there, even though he is by far your best player and your best chance to keep in games and to win games. So uh, it's a, it's a tough balance to, to meet. And, you know, I think nobody's going to be looking forward to the, uh, to the bye week more than Cam Akers, who at this point has taken a lot of, a lot of contact and has, has uh, gained some mileage on those tires uh, over the first four games of the season. So 
uh, you know, that's something that that's something to keep an eye on against NC State and whether or not he's able to continue to have the same kind of burst that he's had early in the year, whether he looks a little bit more worn down and whether that yard per carry average is able to, you know, move up just a little bit again. Uh, and yeah, you know, they've got Kalon LeBourne uh, and he only had two rushes in this game. And I understand that a lot of people want to see a lot more of Kalon LeBourne, uh, but Let's just say there's good reason. The, the coaching staff is not, they're not idiots in terms of, uh, of who plays and how often and, and, and all of that. And, you know, Akers belongs on the field. So uh, I'll just leave it at that. But um, beyond that, I think this, uh, this next game against NC State, uh, I think this is the, the way that this team is moving forward, the way that we saw some development on the defensive side of the ball, they're going to be in, in games. There, there aren't very many games that they won't have a chance to win if the defense is able to play like it did in three of the four quarters against Louisville. They, just, they still did not play a full game. And you'd like to see them a little better in the fourth quarter than they were. But aside from that third quarter against Louisville, they were, they were awfully good defensively. And if they're able to take that more aggressive approach, then you know it'll be interesting to see how well that defense develops over the course of the season uh, as their confidence develops and or as their confidence grows and as they continue to get more comfortable in that system, and also as Jim Levitt's influence in terms of planning and and uh, establishing how that defense should be called uh, continues to, uh, to to work its way out on the uh, on the field. I want to pause one more time to thank my third sponsor of this episode, and that is, of course, Luis Marquez of Keller Williams in Jacksonville. If you have any real estate needs in the greater Jacksonville area, Lewis is your man. If he can't do it, well, you probably have a crappy house or you're looking for something that doesn't exist because Lewis is the best in the business. If you need to sell your house or if you need to buy a house, you need to talk to Lewis. Let him know you're a fellow Noel and heard about him on the Unconquered podcast, and he'll show you the good parts of town. <laughs> So uh, let's go ahead and before I finish, I'm going to go through a little bit in the mailbag. Um, first thing is uh, I got a question. I've gotten some questions about how crucial the loss of Lars Woodby is. You know, does Nasir Dean move into his role? I don't think Nasir Dean really can move into that role per se. But like I said earlier in the podcast, I think uh, you will see Nasir Dean down in the box and they'll they'll run more. Uh, five, six defensive back, back looks since they, they won't have that extra hybrid out there. Uh, so I think you'll see some of that. But uh, in the base, I don't think he'll be the, the replacement there. I think you'll see Gaynor uh, as, the, as the base guy there. All right, next question. Um, if they hire another defensive analyst or coach, are you in? Lord, I wish. Well, thank you, uh, I, I appreciate that. And actually, if, uh, if they want to hire me as an analyst, uh, especially as a remote analyst, because you don't need to be on site, uh, you know, they, I would be happy to uh, have them send me a laptop and, uh, and do whatever. Um, <laughs> th- th- that, would be, that would be fantastic. I would love to help in any way I can. I mean, a lot of us uh, out here would, would be happy to do that. That said, I don't think they need me. Uh, you know, there are guys on that staff who know more than I do, especially on the defensive side. You know, th- th- that staff is not populated by idiots. Uh, and I know some of not just the, the coaches, but some of the guys 
in those analysts or quality control roles, and they're really, really good. They know their stuff. So, um, so yeah, they're, they're taken care of there, but Hey, if they want to, they want me to, to, uh, evaluate any sort of film or anything like that, I'd be happy to do it and give them everything I I've, I've got. But, um, something tells me that they know they, they, uh, they can, they can do just fine without me. All right. Uh, next one. Um, interested on your thoughts on 12 Levitt's influence and what this defense would look like without Kando and Thor down the stretch. Yeah, man, it would look very different with them down the stretch. Now, I'm assuming by 12, you mean Hornybrook and not uh, not the corner whose name is escaping me, but uh, the, the kid from the DMV area. And yeah, I, I actually, as far as the, the corner goes, I thought uh, I thought he played a really good game in this one. Uh, did did some really good things on uh, on the one Charlie Blitz and uh, and filling against the run was reliable in pass coverage. So pretty happy there. But I'm pretty sure you were talking about uh, about Hornybrook. And again, I think the main thing there is you're looking at a player with a different skill set than Blackman. He's more inclined to get rid of it earlier. He makes a little quicker decisions. Looks a little more comfortable overall. But he does lack the ability to push the ball to the outside. And when you're playing with really wide splits, sometimes when that ball takes a little bit extra of extra time to get outside the numbers, that allows the defense to, to get out there a little quicker and make, make a break on the play. So, you know, Hornybrook has to throw it earlier because he can't, he can't drive the ball in there as much as, as Blackman can. And that's really where the difference is. I mean, I, I think he throws it uh, with nice touch on the deep ball. Uh, and and displayed a lot of a lot of nice things in this game, um, but he wasn't under pressure much, and teams don't have any film on him uh, in Florida State's offense yet. So I'll withhold my judgment too much. Again, all, all I've had to really go on is is the the stuff I was able to share in terms of what I gathered from camp, uh, and that's just that he'd moved the offense okay at times and uh, seemed more comfortable than than Blackman at times, but. Uh, also, again, has some limitations that Blackman doesn't. So it's not a situation that you have one guy that's clearly better than the other, I don't think. I think it's a situation where you have two guys who bring just a different set of skills to the table uh, more than you know one is clearly superior to the other. So nothing wrong with that. And oftentimes when you're in that situation, as long as it's not going to lead to a divided locker room, it's good to give them both a little bit of time. So uh, we'll see. Uh, next question is, uh, will Bryles get King on board since uh, King, the Houston quarterback, is now sitting out and entering the uh, transfer portal? That's a good question. And I'm not sure that actually, I don't know whether King would be an upgrade. I don't know whether that that's a guy that Bryles would necessarily want at Florida State. But that's only because I haven't seen enough of King. I know the guy is a dynamic runner. I need to see more of him as a thrower uh, to, to really have a good sense of what, what's going to happen there. I do think that the, that Florida State's going to explore their options in terms of maybe a, you know maybe the freshman comes in early and he's going everybody's going to have a chance to compete for this for this quarterback role in the offseason. There's no doubt about that. They want to get improvement at every position and every position is going to be open. So. You know, if King wanted on board, I don't know that they'd turn him down. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But, uh, you know, he obviously was not happy with the Holgerson offense and the whole situation out there, uh, which they seem to uh, be a lot worse off than before they fired that last staff. And 
you know, obviously uh, that offense has not been as successful as it was with Bryles calling the shots. All right, final question. How much is the player's mentality that we're seeing, uh, or how much is player's mentality, how much of what we're seeing is player's mentality that is conditioning, winning mindset, et cetera, and how much is coaching, that is inability to make in-game adjustments and so on? And that's a hard question to answer because even player's mentality is heavily influenced by coaching. And then what adjustments you're able to make is also, that's recursive in, in that you have to take into account what your players are able and willing to do. So you can't really differentiate very easily. It's more like one of those things where it's 100% coaching and 100% player's mentality. Uh, but I do think that uh, the overall culture and the overall lack of attention to detail and winning mindset on this roster and on this team that has infected this team for a while is still the, the core problem. Uh, in terms of in-game adjustments or scheme stuff, I don't think there's really been a whole lot that I could really point to and say, oh, they just have made it have done a terrible job with adjustments. I have complained about not playing aggressive enough in the secondary pretty much from, from the jump. Uh, and I have complained about not really having guys prepared to do their assignments in terms of run fits and so on early in the year. Uh, I've had plenty of complaints about some of the stuff defensively on those things, but I don't think that that's a situation of, you know, adjustments per se, or the schemes being a problem. I do think that it, that there, that there have been some, I do think that they could have gotten the culture and the mentality of this team turned around more quickly than they have. Uh, I, I think it's still a problem. I think it's still something that they're trying to wrestle with and it's going to take some time. I mean, they felt like it was going to take two years really to turn over the culture. And I think they're behind that number right now uh, based on, you know, some of this stuff. But I think that's, that's why that's, that's so complicated is you're dealing with each thing kind of impacts the other. And one final thing is that conditioning and the approach that you take in the off season impacts the kind of mentality you have when you're in great shape and when you've done the work and when you're physically superior, you feel that and the confidence feeds through and improves your culture as well. So culture is very much built in the off season. Uh, and, and that trust is built in the off season. And again, I think there's still a ways away there in terms of where they, where they want to be. So it's all interrelated. I think we'll go ahead and wrap there. So before I go, I want to thank the patrons below the Bleach Numbers level. That is Keith Cheney, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, and Bert Bertoldi. As always, really appreciate everyone who is a uh, supporter via Patreon, and uh, especially those of you who are above the Bleach Numbers level. Very grateful for your support. I will be back, uh, I guess, in another day, even though I've already recorded it, for the NC State preview podcast. Until then, this has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.